0: Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs> you're good. Morning, everybody. It's good to be in Tennessee. We are in Tennessee, aren't we? Now, when I go to Texas, I say it every year. When I go to Texas, when I say God bless Texas, I don't care if you're in Corpus Christi or Dallas, you say God bless Texas or our revival will break out. And they'll stand and scream and holler and shout. And I finally get them to sit down. And say, well, I'm glad you love Texas. So personally, I'm an Okie. <laughs> and the greatest thing about being an Okie is whipping a Texan. So we'd rather whip you than anybody. There's a God in heaven and we can whip Texas. And he's been with us for several years now. So when I say God bless Tennessee, it's like, you know, I say God bless Alabama. I was in Birmingham a few weeks ago. They get excited down there too. So Tennessee's a great place. You know, God... God dwelled on the mountaintop. If he was in America, he'd live here in Tennessee, and he'd visit everywhere else. And I'm being very serious about this. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, it's been a busy couple of years. Uh, pastor's kind of, he's kept in touch, and so uh, Denise went home to be with Jesus a couple years ago, and we weren't expecting that, and that was kind of a shock, and so then a couple of months later... Uh, I was doing a crazy 10-day water fast. I don't know why. I just thought, you know, trying to figure out why my wife went home. So I got serious and did a 10-day water fast. And, uh, and right after that, uh, I was flying home from St. Louis and, uh, and uh, fell over on the floor and got up, fell over again, got up, fell over again. So I finally just laid there for a while figured out what's wrong? I can't stand up. So they finally had to come from Tulsa and get me get back to the doctor, got in the hospital that night. And they went every test under the shining sun. They x-rayed, took blood, took every kind of thing you can take. And so my doctor came in. He's been our doctor for years. And he said, what have you been doing? I said, nothing. He knew why. Denise, Denise His wife passed away eight years earlier, and he got remarried. And he said, no, I've been doing nothing. He said, no, you've been doing something. I said, well, what's wrong? Said, nothing. We checked everything. You're, you're fine. He said, you've had a stroke. I said, no, old people have strokes. I, said, I don't have no stroke. No, you've had a stroke. What have you been doing? I said, nothing. And so we're talking. He's there in the hospital room, and they got me hooked up to everything. He said, well, well I, did, I did do a 10-day water fast. He said, what? Yeah, I only took water for 10 days. For 10 days? And he threw his clipboard on the board. and said, well, son, that's what you did. You did this to yourself. He said, don't do that again. That's stupid. <laughs> he said, you want to fast one meal? Take, don't drink water for about a half a day, but don't do 10 days. So said, your body shut down on you. It thought, well, he's killing us somehow, so we got to keep the side with the heart alive, so we shut the right side down. And that's what happened. So I was in rehab for three months. I had to learn how to walk again and raise my hand. First day in rehab, Great rehab lady, meaner than snot, meaner than snot. <laughs> so I had two sessions a day with us. I came in and said, "Okay." We, she knew me. She knew me. She got my charts. she knew about. It. I said, "Okay, let's start today." I <clears throat> said, "Put your hand up here on the table." So I did. It. I said, "No, no, no, no. Put that back down. Lift your hand and put it on the table." I did it again. She said, "No, Mr. McGee, put it down. Lift your hand up, ma'am. I'm here because it doesn't work." <laughs> she said, "No, it works. It's just you know mine." No, trust me, ma'am. I talk to it all the time. It's just—it's going to stay right there. No, we're going to see her all day. You're going to put that hand. You're going to make something new. She'd break the conversation. They said, "Let that hand up here, ma'am. I can talk to it right now." Lift. Lift hand. Hey, hand, get up here. She's getting mad. Get up here. And we just—I make jokes. And so finally, she got mad after about an hour. She put my hand up there. She said, "Okay, let's do something simple. You just move a finger." As in, it's hooked to the same stuff. It's not going to move. So. So she made me stare at my hand for almost, I don't how many long, I was just sitting there and I'm looking at it. Got to move the fingers, son, you got to move. She She's not going to let me go home. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to get out of here. I got to. <laughs> and so finally, finally, my index finger, I went up and down. Low. She said, great, we'll see you tomorrow. And that's it? Oh, that's it. We're making great progress. So I started with my fingers and finally I'm, I'm back to pretty, so in the process, um, going through all the rehab and everything, and uh, they said, uh, we noticed that uh, you, you don't move your leg real good. I said, no, I fell off a of bed like 20 years ago, Christmas Eve, and landed on my knee. I was helping the kids put something up, and I popped my knee real bad and swelled up like a balloon, had to get fluid off of it. And I said, I messed my knee up. Mm-mm, no, we've got the x-rays. There's nothing wrong with your knee. Oh, no, there's something wrong with it. Trust me, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Goodyear blimp, and I couldn't move. And No, no, there's nothing wrong with your knee. And so they brought the x-rays. and said, Mr. King, here's your knee. And the show mother said, there's nothing wrong with your knee. You're just not moving it. And what you don't use, you lose. And the best we can estimate, you're only moving or using 10% of the muscle in that right knee. He said, you walk like you have a corn cob up your backside. <laughs> and I didn't notice that. Nobody in my family had ever told me that. And I got to thinking about it. I, said, I do have that kind of that Walter Brennan thing going on. So, uh, so anyhow. Got out of rehab, and I do about an hour and a half of knee exercise every day, trying to get it moving again, and get it going. And so uh, I'm back. Anyhow, in the process, so many people texted me and wrote me, so sorry to hear about Denise, so forth. And so uh, one friend that Denise and I had worked with, her and her husband, about 26 years ago on staff, and uh, we knew each other, and uh, they were all friends. And then we uh, we got out, and got our own office for a year and a half, and uh, and uh, her husband and Denise died. And so we finally grew so much, we had to separate. And they got a big old church and broke in there and got about 3,000 people. And I go speak for them. To... So long story short, uh, my wife left and her husband left. And so uh, she just texted after niece had passed. Away. So I said, oh, so sorry to hear about the I said, yeah, I know. We weren't expecting it. So I'm not much on texting. I got fat thumbs. And I don't do it real quick. How are you doing? Fine. How are the kids? Okay. So we did that for about eight months, just, you know, real slow, just checking up. How are your family? How's your family? And so after about eight months, we finally, she finally called one night and I said, hey, how are you doing? I said, I did not heard that voice in a long time. So we got to where we'd talk every night, and uh, she's putting in like 12-hour days, and uh, I was in Naples, Florida last year doing a seminar at the end of the year, and she came down. She works with another lady doing uh, plays and stuff for handicapped kids across the country. And so she was in Naples, and they were doing a thing, and so... Uh, said, hey, come down. I said, well, come down to the meeting. So she came down and met the pastor, and my former pastor was with me. He's also in the speaking circuit that time. So we ate dinner together every night and talked. And so we go back to the airport and so we're at the airport, and I'm thinking, and uh, I had a thought. I thought, are you going to kiss her? Because I only kissed one woman for 47 years. I don't know how to kiss. I'm, I'm kind of conformed just to just one set of lips. <laughs> you know, I never did a date when I was in high school. I didn't kiss anybody else. except Denise. I don't know. And so and I had a th- I thought, I'm not going to think about that. Don't think about that. So at the airport, I thought, are you going to kiss her? I'm not thinking about it. And I'm not thinking about nothing. I got stuff to do. So all of a sudden, she held her. I so how about a hug? And I thought, hang dang, the hell. I just went straight for the lips. <laughs> <laughs> and after we kissed, I had a deep thought. I thought, I like that. I like kissing a lot. So anyhow, we would text back and forth. And so she called us in Atlanta. Uh, I think it was in Atlanta or Dallas. She called me on the cell phone and said, hey, Joe, you got a minute? I said, sure. What is it, hon? She said, Joe, said, I-, I think I love you. And I forgot what I said. It was something really stupid. I don't have time to ha- hassle that. And I just hung the phone up. And I uh, just hung up on her. And so <laughs> it's a real love story. And so, so anyhow, she called that night. And I said, I said, listen, I'm old enough to be your father in some parts of the South. She said, no, you're not. How old are you? so we said, well, I guess I'm not that much older. She said, well, what are we going to do? I said, no, I'm doing nothing. i never get remarried. She we talked for a year. I'm not getting remarried. I'm not going to all the hell again. Me neither. I loved it. It was great. You no, know, I'll be single. I hear that trumpet sound and I go to heaven. And so finally, the more we talked, I got to thinking, I just woke up and I thought, you know, I sure like waking up next to somebody. I like sitting across the breakfast table from somebody. I like to drink a cup of coffee with somebody. I like to get in a fight with somebody and make up. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> so anyhow, we gum-flapped ourselves into it. So we're, we're a three-month, brand-new married couple. So I want to introduce you to my wife, Angel. Angel, stand up, wave with everybody. <laughs> and we're really happy. And uh, I had two relatives, lived to be 100. And I have an aunt in Topeka, Kansas that's 102. And she still makes quilts and real lively. So I have a long life in my genes on my dad's side of the family. They, we weren't necessarily Christians, but we were mean as snot. We lived a long time. <laughs> so I got to thinking, somebody said, well, how old are you? I said, well, I'm 67. You're getting remarried? Yeah, I am. Well, why? Well, let me see I'd like to wake up next to somebody. I'd like to sit across the breakfast table. I'd like to fight and make up with somebody. And I still like kissing. I really love kissing a lot. A lot. (laughs) (laughs) I've probably kissed more in the last three months than I have in the last three years, I'm sure. (laughs) Making up for lost time. So I'm just trying to help anybody that's been through this process. have a real empathy for anybody that's ever lost a spouse through divorce or through death. And I really didn't understand. Until you've tasted it yourself, you don't know. And everybody's been so thrilled and excited for us. And we know people all over the country. And there's a lot more people than I do. And uh, we had a really good response from everybody. Everybody's excited. It's exciting when somebody comes up out of the dust and comes back. So for whatever you want to know, just say, well, Joe told us he's remarried and he's really happy. Just keep it at that. And, and you can check out our website and we'll update you. Anyhow, I want to give you something. Uh, we're going to talk about marriage tonight a lot. But I want to give something kind of different. This is First Timothy. You write this scripture down. And... Uh, this is something I used to do with my high school students on a regular basis. Because everybody's always gripping about something. If we're born again, spirit-filled, if we're going to church, how come we have so much hell in our lives? I said, well, because you live on an alien planet, you get to use your faith. It's, it's a faith thing, you know. It's called the shield of faith, the soul of the spirit. You get to fight. We're not in heaven yet. We're on an alien planet. You know, it goes back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, everything's wonderful. Food's free, clothes are cheap, weather's perfect. But they sinned. And when they sinned, they got fired from their job, evicted from the house. The kids start killing each other. Hell came into the first family. So Satan became the legal god of this planet when he got Adam to sin. He took over the planet. So if you read, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, John 10, 10, Satan's the legal god of this planet. He steals, kills, and destroys. Hospitals are full. Prisons are full. Lawyers are full. And where's God at? He's in heaven. He's not allowed down here unless somebody invites him. And that's what prayer is. So I taught him such prayer for 10 years. God can't come in your life till you ask him. That's why Jesus said eight times, you have not because you ask not. Ask that your might be made full. So we ought to be a praying machine. You don't, have to, you don't have to be clean when you pray. You don't have to shave or take a bath or wash your hair. You can pray anytime you want to. It's a real easy thing God's got set up for us. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Ask that your joy might be made full. So in 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, I'm going to give you this real, real slow. I'm going to put this in, but it's real simple. He says, it's fight the good fight of faith fight the good fight. Now I was in high school we had fights all the time. Not really serious stuff but you know, but we'd wrestle around and fight a good fight's the one you win if you ever lost a fight that was not a good fight if you ever boxed in high school did you lose? Was that good? No no it's not good when you lose it's only good when you win so fight the good fight of faith so God says you need to use your faith. You need to start believing God I'll give you this right here this is in Luke, Luke chapter let's just start Luke chapter 4 Um, Jesus is a normal guy Uh, you know his dad's died he's taken over the family business he makes all the furniture he makes the boat mass they got a big Home Depot plant going on if you need something made out of wood go to Jesus his family makes it need a new chair Jesus' family makes it need a new table Jesus' family new door post Jesus' family makes that he did all the stuff with wood he was the Home Depot he's a normal guy Nothing weird. Then all of a sudden, one day, Jesus is not at the shop, and the brothers come in to get their mother. Hey, Mom, you got to do something. Talking to Mary. Jesus is not down at the shop. People need the furniture. What do you mean he's not there? Where's he at? Well, he's in town, and weird stuff's happening. Fingers are growing out. Eyeballs are popping in, and dead people are getting up. we got to go get them. They're going to kick us out of the synagogue. I'm not making this up. This is true. So, Jesus, you know, Jesus goes in. Anyhow, He goes and meets this camel hair buggy and Baptist who dunks him under the water and he comes out of the water. Heaven opens up and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God leads him off into the wilderness. All of a sudden he squares up against the devil. The devil's been looking for Jesus since day one. God told him in the garden, one day I'm going to come in the flesh and I'm going to take this back. So he knew. He, He knew God's coming in the flesh. So every baby that's been born, that could be God. So in the beginning, we lived to be 900 years old, then 700 years old, then 500 years old. People well, that's the "Oh so No, the devil's been killing people off from day one. He hates humans. Hell hates humans. And so all of a sudden, here we are, and all of a sudden, Jesus left in the wilderness, the devil, he's looking at him. That's not the person I remember serving because he served Christ in eternity. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. So all of a sudden, you got Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Lucifer was the anointed that covered. He was over Christ. He served. He said, so all of a sudden... He's looking and said, that doesn't look like guy I used to serve. That's some smelly Jewish flesh. Well, he doesn't, he's noticing he's not eating. There's only three kinds of fasts. I just came back from Israel about a month ago. We did my third trip. You got a three-day fast, an eight-day fast, and you got a 40-day fast. On day eight, he knows he's going for the big one. The devil does not bother him for 40 days. On day 40, he comes to him. Are you the son of God? Three times he tempts him. Three times Jesus responds by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus said, the things I do, you're going to do also. How do you whip hell? You speak God's word. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the weak sound strong. Let the poor sound rich. Call those things to be not as though they are. We're supposed to talk like God talks, not like hell talks. And So in our own homes, and our marriages, we've got to say what God says. And sometimes we'd yell. And I remember, man, my first marriage, we get mad. You know, we, we, I wanted to divorce three years into my marriage. I hated her gut. She hated mine. But there was no divorce in our family. We couldn't be the first ones. Yeah, my dad's got 12 brothers and sisters. Her dad's got 12 brothers and sisters. There's no divorce. People made moonshine, steal your car, burn down your house, beat you up, but no divorce. That's a sin. <laughs> so we're stuck. i married a she-bearer from hell, and I'm stuck till Jesus comes to get me. So we'd go to church on Sunday, and we'd raise our hands and put the offering plate. we home and yell at each other, shut up, you shut up, shut up. And so finally it was a spirit-filled Methodist that got us back in the Bible, and uh, got us back in church, and uh, we rededicated our lives. Things begin to change. But I realized faith's a critical thing. You've got to believe what God said. So anyhow, Jesus goes off. It is written, it is written, it is written. The devil leaves for a season. Jesus is out there. Now, he's not living in the Winnebago. He's skanky. Forty days, no shower, no bath, no mouthwash, no toothbrush. He is skanky. Numbing I mean skank. I mean, he could peel the bark off a pine tree at 20 feet, I guarantee. He's skanked. So the devil leaves for a because The devil cannot handle the spoken word of God. So the angels came and they fed him. I don't know what they fed him, but it's been good. So they're feeding Jesus, and, and I can hear Jesus talking to the angels because these are the angels. And he says, hey, you can read it. boys, did you see that? And he said, yes, Master, we're waiting on you to call us. There was a lot of us, but you never called for us. And I can hear Jesus say, I whipped him. Ooh, yes, you did, Master. Way to go. Ooh. No, you don't understand him. I didn't whip him as God. I whipped him as a man with the Word of God. And soon there will be millions of us and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. I've come to build a church out of thumb-sucking hell-bound sinners. People always say, yeah, you the holy rollers, you the people in church all the time. No, I'm a, I'm a sinner that got saved and I'm in church all the time. I'm growing in the grace of God. I get to repent every day and forgive every day. There are no perfect Christians. There are humans who are saved and I tell him, you need to repent every day and forgive every day. If you don't repent and forgive every day, you get what we call spiritually constipated. You, you, need, to, you need to be <laughs> the fellowship with God on the right. You'll get that later about lunchtime. <laughs> so, anyhow, Jesus comes back from the wilderness. He walks into the temple. It's the Sabbath. It's his turn to read. They took turns reading. Well, there's Jesus. Hey, it's your turn to read today. And he finally opens a scroll, and here's what he reads Luke 4 18. He reads this from Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled the scriptures up in every Jewish synagogue. And again, we just in this one. He does it in America. Any place you need. If you go to a synagogue here in America, every synagogue has an embroidered chair that sits right in front of the podium. I don't know how the place is shaped. Embroidered chair. Beautiful chair. And uh, nobody sits in that chair. That's for Messiah when he comes back to earth. And every synagogue's got one. They're all over Israel. You go in a synagogue anywhere in Israel? What's that? Well, that's Messiah's chair. He's going to sit there when he comes back. Nobody sits in that chair. When well, Jesus read that scroll and he went back and he didn't sit on the ground, everybody sits on the ground over there, he sat in that chair. And the Bible says two men started talking said, man, he reads that good. We've got to have him read more often. He sure reads that good. And the other guy said, now, what did he say? Well, he said he's the one. The one? what? Well, he's sitting in a chair. And all of a sudden they notice the Bible says a riot broke out. And they mobbed Jesus, jerked him out of the chair, dragged him outside of town. They were going to shove him off a cliff. Now, this is Jesus that never had had any problems whatsoever. Ever. What made everybody so mad? He said he was the one. What he got? He got a revelation today. I'm him. I'm back. I'm the one. So I'll read this to you. I like this. Uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 2. New Living Translation, Mark 3, 2. I want to read just three things. Verse 2, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Now, the Bible says Jesus never sinned. Say never. Never. Everybody say never. Never. Jesus never sinned. Say never. Never. He could have, but he never sinned. Say never. Never. Jesus never sinned, but he had enemies. Now, I got big family, big family. I do all the funerals and the weddings because I'm free. And people call all the time. They're just, I don't understand why I can't have a normal day. I don't want everybody to like me. Well, because there's people out there that hate your guts. And they'll always hate you. And you can't make them like you. Quit wearing yourself out trying to make somebody like you. Now, if you get an opportunity, bless them. Take them a drink of water. Mow their grass. Bake them a meal. Hug their neck. Do something nice. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. Says so Jesus' enemies watched him, Jesus turned to his critics. He had critics. Anybody ever criticize you? Trying to do right as a husband, a wife, employee. trying to do what's right. And people keep mouthing that. Well, what's wrong? What is wrong? You're on planet Earth. Satan's got this planet. He's got a lot of people working for him. And he uses people and God uses people. So Jesus had critics, he had enemies. And then it says, verse 6, the Pharisees and the supporters of Herod plotted how to kill him. There's people wanting to kill him. You hate, is there anybody trying to kill you right now? Probably not. Probably would like to, but no, probably not. Jesus had critics, he had enemies, and people trying to kill him. He never sinned. So I try to tell family I'm dealing with all the time. You need to shut your face up. You're doing too much thumbsucking. Well, they didn't like me. They're not ever gonna like you. No, they don't like themselves. You can't get somebody like you who doesn't like themselves. Just love them as best you can. So I'm going to give you this. This is kind of simple. This is the word all. Now this is just about five scriptures. Now there's a whole boatload of these all. I like this word all. Second Thessalonians one eleven. May God give us the power to accomplish all the good things that our faith prompts us to do. I like all. Say all. All. Again. I grew up in a church where you didn't know that God would do all things. Well, some things. Well, you never know. You never know God. You never know what his plans are. You just don't know what the will of God is. Sure, I do. He wrote it. It's called a testament. It's his last one, testament. I have a copy. Volume 2 is not coming out. He only wrote one of them. Yes, it's the will. It's what God left me. I got it right here. Got my own copy. Now I've had you know family pass away, and I've had to go through things, wills and stuff. Things got challenged, so you know I've had sometimes with family members I just had, hey, I can't argue with money. Just call your attorney. I got one. You got one. Let our attorneys talk. I know what the law says. I'm not lost yet. There's a will. I have a personal will. It's what the will says. It's a legal document. Well, this is a God's legal document. All things pertain to life and God, and God's given that to me. Well, why didn't it happen? Because you got enemies you got enemies that will challenge your will, your earthly will, your heavenly will. There's an enemy that's going to challenge that. That's why lawyers make really good money. You need to have a good one, by the way. You need a good dentist, a good doctor, a good pastor, a good lawyer. That's another sermon. Matthew chapter 6, verse 32. Your heavenly Father knows all of your needs. Everybody say all. All. Mm. Matthew 19, 26. With God, all things are possible. Say all. all. Come on, say all. I'm telling you, when you go home, that big, like I said, I do other weddings and funerals. I hear the most entertaining stuff and some of that stuff. Well, you just don't know what the will of the Lord is. Sure, he wrote wrote it in a book called the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. You can read God's will. You just don't know the will of God. Sure you can. He wrote it down. I know the will of God. What's happening? Well, because Satan and humans will challenge the will. And you got to know that. You got to realize. Well, it just should have been. It's just God's will. No, it wasn't. That wasn't God's will. I know God's will, and that what happened. That was not the will of God. You know, it was not the will of God that people die early, get messed up. No, that wasn't the will of God. Well, why did it happen? Well, because it was the devil. He hates your guts. We're supposed to resist him. Resist him. Ooh, that was deep. Philippians four thirteen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Luke 1.37, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Mm. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, I got a whole just mini book of just the alls. What is it? Well, all things. So what do you believe? Well, all things that God promised me, so I want to go through. Now, this is a real short message, and it's typed up. I did this to high school students 35 years ago. I had all these born-again spiritual kids whose parents were paying to have them in the school, and they didn't know two scriptures to rub together. And you notice something. The Bible says you ought to meditate in the Word day and night. Faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God. You know, and Mark said, you know, the parable the sower sowing the Word. said, as soon as the Word was sown, the devil came immediately to steal the Word. So I tell people all the time, well, I don't have the devil mess with me. Then you're not listening to any scripture. You're not reading your Bible. You're not going to church because hell doesn't bother people that they've already got. If hell's got you, it's not bothering you. But if you start stepping out in faith, hell will show up immediately. Every pastor I've ever met over the 26 years of traveling says every time we try to build a new building, the minute we stuck a shovel—that gold shovel—we had pictures taken, dedicating to build this building, stick that gold shovel in that dirt, and every demon in hell will come out of that hole. (laughs) Every building's going to cost you three times more than you thought. Opposition you never thought would even come from cities, states, people. We're just trying to build a church. What happened? You've attracted hell. You got to resist it. And that's what we need to know with your Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ, Church of God, Assembly of God. It's like, you got to resist the enemy. It's in the book. I don't care who you are, it's, we have the same book. So, this is Ephesians. So, I'll just read this real quick. I think this is real entertaining. This is from the New Living Translation it's about the armor of God, Ephesians 6 11 through 18. Verse 11 Put on all of God's armor, say all. all. That must be a bunch of it. Stand against all strategies of the devil, say all. all. I need all the armor because the devil's using all the strategies. There's a lot of awe going on. You can't just show up once a week and kind of participate. It's a, kind of a daily thing. You've got to do that. I like this, verse 12. For we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen realm. Who's your enemy? I'm who my enemy is. There's Bob down there at work. My Uncle Frank, he's an idiot. You know, no, no, you're, you have no flesh enemies. There's no flesh that's your enemy. The enemies you have, you can't see them. It's spiritual things the devil's working with. So you need to resist the right enemy, not fist fight the wrong enemy. That'll get you in jail for 30 days, by the way. <laughs> We're fighting against evil spirits in heavenly places. Put on every piece of God's armor, verse 13. Verse 13 resist the enemy in the time of evil, <laughs> stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Verse 16 hold up the shield of faith to stop the fire arrows of the enemy. And, people, and, I always, and they'll go, I don't understand, man, I go to church, I say my prayers, I pay my tithes, why do I have so much hell in my life? You're still here? Welcome to planet Earth. The Bible says that church, we don't play defense. Angels are our defense. God's our defense. We only play offense. We're believing God all the time. We're not playing defense. I'm not trying to protect nothing. That's God's job. That's God's job. We're, a, we're an offensive team. We have the ball, we don't let anybody else play with it. That was deep. I like that. Verse 17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Who's your sword? Well, what is it? What's the Word of God? If I don't know any, I don't have much of a sword. Pray in the Spirit at all times on every occasion, and stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. So these three scriptures go with it. James 4, 7, resist the devil, and he will flee. When is he going to flee? When you resist him. What he you resisting with? The Word of God. What does God say about your situation? I don't know. Then you don't have anything to resist. You're just griping and complaining and thumb sucking and cussing and using Lord' words you shouldn't say. Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. And people say, well, I'll tell you what I think. No, don't do that because it's not good. Please, your brain's not good. Let's say what God said, not what you think. Ooh, that was good. 1 Peter 5, 8. Your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. So what do you need faith? Where's faith come from? This book. I tell people all the time, y'all to read a proverb a day. Or read a verse in Proverbs. Faith comes from this book. Now I tell people, well, I read it and I didn't get nothing. Well, you need to read it again. Like marinating a steak. Sometimes you got to let it soak. Because you've ever read stuff and all of a sudden three days later, I've read the same, three days ago, same proverb. I ain't got nothing in there. I don't know what that means. Just read it again. That's nothing. That, I don't know why it's in the Bible. All of a sudden about the third day you'll read it, like, whoa, I didn't see that. No, you did see it. It just takes time to soak in. You got to meditate in the word day and night. You got to think about it. This is where I wanted to go. This is my whole sermon. This is it. I gave this to my high school students every year after I told them to shut their face up. Shut your face. And they always have an excuse well, my daddy left my mama. My mama's on drugs. My mama's boyfriend came over. We can't afford the tuition. I can't pass algebra. Coach don't play me. I didn't make the team. They all have a thumb suck. They're, they're in high school and they're already thumb sucking. It's hard. Not hard. <laughs> Shut your face up. How do you think you're going to get up? Well, if I cry long enough, somebody will help me. No, they won't. They just feel sorry for you. Don't do that. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, Paul. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Prayed in the Holy Ghost more than anybody, is what he said. Shonda, I guess he's praying all the time. So this is Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's been to the church at Corinth, and uh, they're a wild bunch over there, by the way. They, they were having some problems. He's trying to help them out. Number one, they were getting drunk at communion. You know, they didn't have that grape juice. They had the real stuff. They didn't have those sissy cups. They had mugs. <laughs> I'm not making a subject. He studied church history. When they had community, they got south. They just drunk. I <laughs> was sure. I don't know, man. that is good. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I had a whole course on that. Number two, they had a guy shacked up with his mother-in-law. That's just you can't even put that. I don't. That's not even perverted. That's just weird. And so they're sitting, and so Paul, they're writing, Paul, you gotta come back. We're having all kinds of problems. It's hard. You gotta come help us. So Paul writes 2 Corinthians and he writes them back. And basically he says, Well, bless your heart. Now that's southern for you're stupid. <laughs> I used to wonder why my grandmother said, Well, bless your heart, son. And it took a long time to write. She was calling me stupid the whole time. <laughs> bless your heart. And so Paul trying to Figure out what to say. And he goes to about eight verses where he's, well, you know, bless your heart. I don't know. I don't understand that. I really, I'm Paul. I don't have those kind of problems. I I really don't. But then finally, he's starting to get mad. You can feel it. And he's starting to boil over because he had flesh. He can get bent out of shape. So starting at verse 23 of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, here's what he said. Now, this is from the New Living Translation. Here's what he said. You know what? I wasn't going to share, but I will share. Let me share. Hey, I'll share. And so here's what he said. I have been more a servant of Christ than any of you. I worked harder than all of you. I've been in prison more frequently. I have been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Now, in, in the class I had in the uh, seminary, they said, you know, actually he was stoned to death. They took him out. Stones, they don't just rock you, they just rock you until you die. And that was several times in the Old Testament. So it's the same New Testament, so they, they took him out and just stoned him to death. So the next morning, somebody's down here, you know, 7-Eleven, getting a coffee and a donut, and all of a sudden, see this guy walk by and said, hey, I think that's Paul. I thought we killed him yesterday. He's back. He got up off the ground and walked back and turned to town the next day. Paul said, listen, I faced all kinds of stuff, including death. Don't thumb suck to me. So it goes on, it gets even better. I spent a day and a night in an open sea. I've been, more, uh, const- I've been more constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and I've toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I've been cold. I've been naked. And besides everything else, I face daily pressure from my concern for all the churches. And there's not a third Corinthians, they did not write him back. I'm sorry, Paul, we shouldn't even brought it up. God bless you, go with God. That's, I'm sorry. We'll take care of the communion thing. We're going for smaller cups. We'll, we got that. And by the way, the guy that was shacked up with his mother-in-law, he repented. Because they had Paul, I said, you need to pray for this guy. He shacked up with his mother-in-law. Okay, we need to pray for him. And so Paul got him in a circle. And this is in your old Bible. You can read it. So Paul gets in the circle. We we're praying for a guy shacked up with his mother in law. We've got this weird sexual perversion. And so they held hands and got in a circle. And I just try to picture this. I wish they would put it in an Easter movie. And so, so Paul's praying. He said, Okay, let's pray. Father, we pray for this man today. We turn his flesh over to the devil that his soul might be saved in the day of judgment in Jesus' name. Amen. He looked up and I said, What 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 do we pray? Yeah, we turned him over to the devil. We turned him where? Yeah, we turned him over to the devil. Well, we don't want him to go to hell, so hell's coming really big time now. <laughs> we have cut him loose. <laughs> <laughs> and it must have been some nasty stuff because he got right with God. Now, nobody prays that in church. What are we praying today? We're praying for all the saints. I taught intercession prayer for 10 years. Praying for sick people, people that needed a job, people going through hard times with teenagers. Oh, this it? Well, we're gonna turn these people over to the devil right here. They've got that's that stack of cards. We're turning on them all over to hell. to turn them into and so I never prayed that, but Paul did. Why? He loved them. He realized, not having any pressure. Sin's fun for a season. You used to talk to teenagers all the time. You go out and get drunk all you want. But eventually you might not wake up. Or you might wake up dead because you're in a car crash. You were not conscious about what you were doing. You snort that dope and you can stick it in your arm. And get high as a cop. Now, I was in AIT and one guy, he was our sergeant, shot up one night. And he didn't wake up, ever. He's dead. Is that high, that good. There's no sin that good. All sin has death attached to it. And nobody teaches on sin because it doesn't sell any books. Trust me, I bought some. They all went out of print. The Bible says sin has death attached to it. What is it? Well, sin feels good, smells good, tastes good, looks good. All sin looks, smells, tastes, and feels good. That's why people do it. Nobody ever gets up on a Saturday and wants, hey, it's Saturday. Dear Lord, it's Saturday. We got to sin. It's Saturday. It's the day you sin. We got to sin today. No, people sin because they want to. Why? It feels good. Tastes good. Looks good. Smells good. But the end, it's going to kill you dead. Now, we got a book that explains that, but maybe you never read the book, or nobody took you to church to have the book. Like, sin will kill you. Well, I don't want to die early. I'm trying to live as long as I possibly can. But long life will I satisfy. I'm showing my salvation. So the reason you hang out with the saints and go to church, and you grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of God, you want to grow. I don't want to stay the same. I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. I want to grow more. And so even the testimony, we're trying to keep it really short, we really are, because people... Because so many people knew it, So, Joe, what happened? Well, I went through hell for about a year and a half. Well, what'd you do? Well, my spouse died, and I had a stroke, couldn't walk, couldn't move my arm, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't travel. People had to push me around. <laughs> I'm having to go to crutches, and you know, I can't hardly sleep. Well, well, hell showed up. What'd you do? Nothing. Job is my favorite book in the Bible. I taught on a lot 25 years ago. I haven't taught on much. I was sharing with the angels the I love Job. And I heard a lot of people try to explain Job away. God set Job up. Job's kind of like Abraham. God only asked one human in all of eternity to sacrifice his son. Who are you? Well, I'm a Christian. We're following the faith of our father Abraham. Abraham, who's he? willy guy? He's going to stab his son. We're into killing our kids. Well, it's in the book. What'd you do? God asked him to sacrifice his son. What kind of wacky God is that? Well, he's the God. He's got a problem. He needs to come to earth to save mankind, but he can't come to earth unless a person on earth would give him his son. There was a legal problem. God doesn't do anything illegally. God watched over his words, so God has a problem. I cannot send my son to earth until somebody on earth would give me his son. And that's why Abraham and Isaac takes him from the mountain, <laughs> Tie him up, and I said, Dad, we forgot the sacrifice. No, we've got one, son. Here, lay down here. i got to tie you up. I'm going to tell you a story. He raises that knife. He's going to stab him. Abraham's going to kill his son. He for God will have to raise from the dead. You can read in every translation. If you have to, God, you raise from the dead. you ask him to sack. And before the knife came down, God said, stop. I saw your heart. In your heart, you just gave me your son. I saw it. You were going to do it. Stop. There's a ram caught in the thicket. Use that. So all of a sudden, God, now you read Matthew 1 and Luke 1, the family line of Mary and Joseph, you know, silent night, holy night. One chapter takes you back to... Abraham through Joseph, one takes about the Abraham through Mary. Jesus was born legal. God doesn't cheat. God does everything according to his word. It's a really important book. He will not violate his word. Jesus was born legally. Jesus never did a miracle except by faith. That's why when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane that night, he's sweating blood. He knows he's real. Man, i got to go to the cross. They're going to beat the dog out of me. I'm going to have to go to hell for three days. He prays this crazy prayer. This is Jesus. Father, can you let this cup pass from me? Can we do this some other way? And the Father says, no. And Jesus says, not my will, thy will be done. So all of a sudden we go back to Job, which is my favorite book. So Job's got this great family. He's filthy, stinking rich. Everything's good. The Bible starts at Job. Angels are coming through. Give an account to God. They're all, I guess, a daily, weekly thing. They come in. They're getting a report, and they coming for God. And all of a sudden, Lucifer, who's already been fired from his job, comes wandering by. And God speaks to him, Hey, what are you doing? Satan says, I've been wandering to and four back and forth in the earth, seeking somebody to devour. I've been looking for somebody just to mess up. And God says, Have you checked out my servant Job? He's a really good guy. No, I haven't. Says, well, check him out, man. He's. Ble- and all of a sudden, the devil says, well, no wonder because you've blessed him. He's filthy, stinking rich. His kids are all great. His wife's sucking lips off his face. Who wouldn't love you for doing all that? And God says, it's in, there, it's in the Bible. God says, take it away from him. God said it. Take it away from him. You just can't kill him. And that's what, nobody can put it in a movie. Nobody would watch it. And one day, he lost everything. Storm came, roof fell in, all 12 kids dropped dead. He lost his whole family. The roof fell in. His cattle got stolen. His sheep got stolen. I mean, he's broke. Balls came out on his body. He can't sit. He can't stand. It's like, and then his wife, his wife who loved him said, you need to curse God and die. You just need to curse God and die. That was a great woman. We don't read much about her except you just need to curse God and die. You don't put her on a bumper sticker, I guarantee you. Then his three best friends, this great godly man who has three good friends, they said, man, you did something wrong. What have you done wrong? I've done nothing wrong. I'm the, same I was. I'm the same guy I was yesterday when I was blessed and filthy, stinking rich and really happy. I'm the same guy today when I'm busted, broken, balls, and my family's all half dead. I'm the same guy. I'm the same guy. But I've had people go through hell. Man, what did you do wrong? I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. Hell just showed up. Hell just showed up one day. It didn't say, hey, we're coming at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Hell's coming at 2 o'clock tomorrow. Hell doesn't send advance notice. But I know something. The word doesn't change. I'm supposed to resist the devil when I smell him, when I see him, or when I don't see him. My job is to keep building my faith to resist the devil. I do that by fellowship with the saints, sitting underneath my pastor, reading the word of God. I'm, keep, I'm to keep my faith up. It's, it's my shield. It's my sword. I need this. And so people make fun of people go to church and say, well, no, this is two things last forever. The word of God and the people of God. All of a sudden, you read all through those long chapters of Job, and it gets down to the very end, and Job does get the mealy mouth. And so they're trying. man, you just need to curse God. You've done something bad sin. I have it, But finally, he says, well, what good's it done me? And he, you can read it in any translation, but New Living's the best. What good's it done me to serve God? I guess maybe I just, what good? It's just been no good. And all of a sudden, God hadn't spoke for several chapters, and God said, what did you say? What? Well, what did you just say? Well, I so said, what good is it to serve you? And then God starts going through a list. He said, you ever walked on the bottom of the ocean? I went swimming one time. You ever flown through the air? I saw a bird. And and finally God goes through five things. And finally God says, in New Living, God says, you need to shut up. And all of a sudden Job said, you're right. You're right, God. I don't understand it. I don't know what's happened. Here's what he said. I don't care if you kill me. I'm going to serve you. There is nobody but God. I don't care if you kill me. At that moment, at that moment, God turned to Satan and said, get your hands off of him. He's mine. All of a sudden, several years later, they're all sitting at Job's table. Everything's back. Cattle came back. Got twice as much cattle, twice as many sheep, twice as many camels, twice as many donkeys. He's filthy, singing rich. He had 12 more kids. Him and mama are kissing a lot. They're sitting at the table, and at the end of the Job, the men are asking, hey, Job, what was that thing you went through several years ago? What was all that hell about? Job said, I don't know. You don't need to know sometimes. What do you know? God's good. He redeems, forgives, saves, blesses. I'm hanging with God. The minute you get your eyes off God on the hell you're going through, you're sunk. You're sunk, and it'll come out of your mouth. All like you do have your friend. Hey, what have I been saying lately? A lot of stupid. Might want to shut your yap up. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say, so let the weak sound strong. What are you gonna say? I'm blessed and highly favored. My neurologist, and I've got it in print. My neurologist, my brain doctor, who's not saved, by the way. He's Hindu, but he's really good. My neurologist said, I was the greatest recovery of any of any patient he's ever had in the history of his since he's been a neurologist. He thought, he'll never get used to his body back. He'll never be able to do this. And no, because I knew I'd done nothing wrong. What happened? My wife died. I had a stroke. What happened? I don't know. Hell showed up. Hell showed up. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to have to use everything I know and start kind of reusing my faith, starting to believe God again. And so I'm standing here today, a very happy man, married to one of the most incredible people I could ever imagine. Angel and I are just really deep in love. We're almost like sissy and people have warned us well this will wear off no it won't no we've both been through this once we know we know what's important and we're going to place kissy face till the trumpet sounds I pray that we're locked on each other sucking the lips off each other's face the day we hear our name go yes Lord we're ready praise God let me get dressed we'll be right with you you got to start believing God and quit trying to figure out what I'm to do wrong. Who cares? Shut your face up. Repent real quick. Forgive real quick. Lord, I forgive anybody that's ever done anything wrong. Or well, if they didn't ask forgiveness, I'll give it anyhow. Lord, forgive me. I pray it all. I taught my kids to pray it every day. I pray twice a day. Pray in the morning and in the evening for my kids. Father, forgive us of any sins we have committed against you. Our fellow man, our own flesh, or each other. Wash us clean by the blood of Jesus. Teach us, Lord, to fear you, for the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Surround us, God, with a shield of divine favor. Bring to us godly friends that will strike down and cause us to grow and become just like you want us to be. There's just a few little prayers that will really keep you in a straight and narrow. Don't let yourself wander off. Hang out with the saints. Pastors having something going on, be the first one down here. If you have something in church, be the last one to leave. Lock the door and make sure you mopped everything when you go out. Sow some seed. Sow some seed. Because there's a great crop coming, I promise. Let's stand up. You learned anything this morning? Say this, God is good good. all the time. All the time, time. God is good. 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 (laughs) Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word that sets us free and keeps us free. Lord, if we are blinded in any area, in Jesus' name I pray today, take blindness from our minds, enlighten the eyes of understanding, draw us out of your goodness. Father, don't leave us like we are. Let us grow in your grace and in your knowledge. So, Lord, today, for everyone that's here, I pray the word goes into their hearts and bears 100-fold fruit in their lives. Lord, let this be a jubilee year. May this be the best year of their lives, Father. Hold us tight, Father. Make us lean on you and draw us close. Talk to us when we go to sleep. When we wake and we walk during the day, Father, don't you ever leave us nor forsake us. Father, we thank you for your word, and it's true, and we claim it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just for one minute, nobody looking, nobody moving. Two questions. Are you here this morning? Say, Joe, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never, ever asked him in my heart, but God's been dealing with me. I'd like to do something about that this morning. Well, if that's you, I'd like to pray a 30-second prayer over you out of the book of Romans. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Two simple questions. Are you here today? Say, Joe, I don't know Jesus, but I would like to get born again today. If that's you, I'd like to pray a 30-second prayer over you out of the book of Romans. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you down. Men don't save men, God saves men. But if that's you, I'm gonna pray a 30-second prayer, and I promise you're gonna leave here different than you came in. God is gonna save you right where you stand. He's gonna make you a new creature in Christ. God does that, men don't do that. Perhaps you're here today and say, Joe, I'm born again, I just haven't been living for God lately, my life's not turned out quite like I thought, but I've been stirred up today. I'm ready to get serious with Jesus. I want Jesus not just to be my savior, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, my family, my faith, my future, my finance. I am ready for the Lordship of Jesus. Well, if that's you, you can pray the exact same prayer out of Romans. We're going to pray with these other people. And God in heaven will forgive you every sin you've ever committed in a moment of time. He will take your sin as far as the east is from the west. He will put it in the depths of the sea. There will be no record of your sin in heaven. And God will make the devil pay back seven times whatever he stole from it. So right now, with every head, every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Joe, that's me. I need to get born again today. Or, Joe, that's me. I want to read that ahead my life. If that's you on either account, would you simply right now, just get your hand up, wave it at me, put it right back down. Joe, pray for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your bonus. Thank you. Thank you there. Anyone else? Thank you over there. Yes any of us any of us. Yes. Thank you back there It'll never get simpler than this God does the saving God does the forgiving. He just needs our permission Anyone else before we pray I've not raised my hand yet. Please include anyone else. All right hands down heads bowed eyes closed Here's what we're gonna do People we're gonna help them pray God's gonna do the two greatest miracles he can do in the world He's gonna save souls and forgive sins. So everybody say this after me Heavenly Father Come on everybody Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus. I do believe he is your son, he died for me, and you raised him from the dead. I ask him now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, save me, forgive me of my sin. I receive you by faith with thanksgiving in Jesus' name. Now, Father, for the five hands that went up this morning, either for the first time ever, or it's a simple reaffirmation of their faith in you, according to your holy word and their obedience, as of right now, they are cleansed, forgiven, blood-bought, born-again children of God. Jesus Christ is their Lord. The devil's not their Lord anymore. They are your sheep. You are their shepherd. They will hear your voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Lord, as they leave this morning, would you surround them with divine favor? May people begin to look at them with a new set of eyes. And Father, bring godly friends into their life that begin to strike iron and cause them to grow and become all you want them to be. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand clap. Pastor, God bless.